All right, good morning, everybody. Anybody out there? Good morning, Ben. All right, well, we're going to continue uh, as we've been talking about believers' baptism. And again, we're excited for those who are going to be getting baptized next week. So we've been kind of looking at just what is the biblical basis for this. Um, and so we're going to do a, a little review, but let me just make mention, when you talk about baptism, the Old Testament really doesn't talk about baptism the way the New Testament does, right? You don't see it verbatim like John baptizing the way the early saints baptized people. But you see these pictures, right? We call them typologies, if you will. Pictures that are kind of pointing to the full-blown picture of baptism in this case. So I want to share one of those verses with you. And really, the reason I'm sharing the verse is just to say, when you study Scripture, when you study Scripture, the Old Testament is so relevant to understanding all of Scripture. Sometimes people say, ah, Old Testament's kind of crazy. I'm just going to stay in the New Testament. It, it, it's not either or. It's both and. You need both. Right? And, and this is just an example of where you see these types, pictures, that are foreshadowing Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all things. Okay? And, and you even see that when we talk about the topic of baptism. All right? So we're going to continue kind of walking through baptism, the importance of baptism. But let's ask God's blessing first. Father, we do thank you for Jesus Christ, God, with, without whom there would be no hope, God. You say in your word we would be most miserable. And God, that is so true. But Father, I thank you for Christ. I thank you for salvation. I thank you, God, that our hope is in Christ. Not only for this life, but all eternity. And God, we bless your name. We pray now that you would open up our hearts to understand your word as we study together in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, 20 to 21. Listen at what Peter says. And, and listen for a sense of baptism in the Old Testament account and what happened, okay? Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, so he's referring back to when God had Noah build the ark, right? Because the sin of mankind was rapid. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Interesting. And this is Peter's account of what happened with Noah and the ark. Baptism, there it is. Look how Peter is identifying what happened with Noah, and now he's relating it to baptism. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Now, that's where some people stop. We talked about that last week. I was raised Catholic, and this is one of the verses I would have been taken to. There it is, in Scripture, baptism saves you. Little Bible study tip. When you're studying Scripture, read all of the Scripture. Don't stop mid-sentence. 
you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Let's keep reading. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body. It's not water baptism that saves you, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He turns the emphasis on the work of Christ is ultimately what saves you. But he simply refers to what happened with Noah and the ark, and it's a picture, a type, right? He was saved, if you will, through the water, as the water rose, right, covered the mountaintops. They were in the ark, right? It's a picture pointing to ultimately what Jesus Christ was going to do through his death, burial, and resurrection. He goes on and says, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So we talked about also last week, Jesus taught that we should be baptized. Like, why are we doing this? Not only is this a picture of what Christ was going to do. Of course, you and I are here looking back. Christ has come. He has died. And we are following his example, right? We talked about Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this is a command that Jesus says, do this as you follow me. Remember we talked about in the early church, repentance, trusting in Christ, and water baptism were just one and the same. This is what I mean. It was something that happened instantaneously. When Peter preached, repent and be baptized, it just went along with it as an outward testimony of you trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, I know we don't quite do it that way. Someone comes to know Christ. We don't say, quick, get the pool out, set it up, wait, 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 all right, let's get baptized. Okay, and that's fine because we, we do an interview process and we, we do want to make sure people understand what baptism is and why are they getting baptized. But in the early church, baptism immediately followed someone coming to know Christ. And it would make sense because it's a public proclamation. I am now a Christ follower. Okay? So even Jesus Christ gives that command. Look at Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Because now the issue comes, so why did Jesus get baptized? Right? Why did Jesus get baptized? Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. You can imagine what's going through John's head. Wait, John was already baptizing people, and now here comes Jesus. And remember, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, right? Like, like come and repent. John's baptism didn't save anybody. He was doing it as a forerunner to what Christ was going to do, right? And now here comes Christ on the scene. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? John recognized that ultimately salvation was going to be through Christ. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Wow. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, 
and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus says, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, for the sake of time, what is Jesus doing here? Is he getting baptized because he needs to be baptized? Absolutely not. Jesus is getting baptized. He is going to be the one who ultimately is going to go to the cross to make that baptizing that we now do authentic in proclaiming a message. Does that make sense? Okay. Jesus Christ not only comes and just dies on a cross and raises again, but his whole life was a fulfillment, living right, keeping every manner of God's law. Think about that. I think sometimes when we think about salvation, we go right to the cross. Jesus died for our sins. Absolutely. But Jesus also lived a righteous life. Think about that. That's important. We get the benefit of both of those things. If Jesus, if Jesus only died for our sins, okay, our sins are forgiven. Amen. But now God demands perfection. What happens the next time you, you sin? What about keeping God's law? What about God's holy standard of righteousness? Jesus lives the life that I can't live, a life of perfection, and then he dies the death I should have died. We've got to keep both of those aspects in our mind when we talk about salvation. So Jesus comes to fulfill all righteousness. We talked last week, baptism is more than a ritual. There is a spiritual meaning behind it. It's not just going through the motions. And this is why we do take time to talk to people. Again, I was raised Catholic. And so, you know, if, if, if you ask a Catholic, hey, are, are, are you saved? Are you born again? Are you Christian? Absolutely. What are they going to say? Because I was baptized. Of course I am. Okay, so there, there is this understanding in Catholicism that baptism is something that actually puts you in the kingdom of God, puts you in the family of God. And that's why sometimes it's confusing when you talk to a Catholic because we have the same language, right? I remember a brother talking to me, and, and uh, this is back when I was going to Catholic uh, church, and he said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? I said, absolutely. He said, you're trusting in Jesus Christ for all your sins to be forgiven? I said, absolutely. And he kind of looked at his buddy like, you go to Catholic? You're Catholic, right? Yeah, I go to St. Athanasius. What's your next question? And he kind of looked at his friend like, wait, wait, okay. You believe Jesus Christ is the Savior, right? Absolutely. And he kind of looked at his friend like, okay, he couldn't figure out, like, well, what's going on? He sounds like he believes the same thing we believe. Well, here's... He, Here's what that young man should have asked me. He should have said, are you only trusting in the death and resurrection of Christ? Period. That's what he should have asked me. He never asked me that. Because it's not just believing in Jesus Christ for a Catholic. As I was raised and taught catechism, it's believing in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as well as the sacraments that infuse this grace in your life continually. There's a difference. Okay? But biblical baptism, believer's baptism is not what saves us. It's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. So getting baptized without having already trusted in Jesus alone for salvation is useless. 
Now it's just a ritual. This is more than a ritual for the believer. Again, we talked about uh, the Catholic's view of, of baptism. I'm not going to go back and read that again. But let's look at this. Baptism, again, is the initial sign and seal of our trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. So it's a public gesture, a public testimony. It, it's confirming something, our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that I have truly done that. Christ has regenerated me. I'm declaring that by that public act of baptism. Remember we talked about it's a sign. It's a sign, right? It's a symbol. The wedding ring, which I'm not going to take off now because Monique is sitting in here, right? But this wedding ring is a symbol and a sign of something relationally that has already taken place. Amen? I can't take my wedding ring off and give it to you and instantly you are now married. No, it doesn't work that way. This is a sign of something that declares there is a relationship already in place. Amen. And that's how baptism works. It's declaring that this person is already trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, not going down in the water. That doesn't save us. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Titus 3, 4 and 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Here it is again. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. No matter how good those works are that we do, it, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. That's the spiritual reality that only God can do through the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a picture, we're going to see in a minute as we unpack why going down in the water and coming up. It's pointing to this spiritual reality. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And again, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, we went over this last week, so I'm just kind of giving you a little refresher. In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. What are we saying? Why do we show these verses? Baptism is not a work to get you saved. You're saved by grace alone through faith in what Christ has done. Amen? Yeah. Baptism is a declaration of what has already happened spiritually. And that's, you know, as a former Catholic, I'm passionate about that. And you should be too, even if you weren't Catholic. Amen. Right? Because it's the difference between salvation through faith and works or salvation through grace alone. Yes. Amen. And, and I tell people that's the line of demarcation between Christianity and almost every other world religion. Christianity says, 
Christ alone. That's it. You can't do anything to earn God's favor. God will only accept whom God sent Christ to die for you. That's the only payment he will accept. Other religions, they come over here and they say, well, we believe that, but now we're going to work our way into salvation. We're going to do things. We're going to be good. We're going to treat people good. We're going to be good moral people. We're going to go on mission trips. Right? We're going to help little old ladies across the street. We're going to work in a food pantry. We're going to work in a soup kitchen. And man begins to put together all these good things. Are those things good in and of themselves? Absolutely. It, it's good to do good things and treat people well. But they do nothing for your salvation. Absolutely nothing. That's why the Bible says that all the righteousness, all the good that I can come up with in the presence of a holy God, it comes up as filthy rags. Wow. Why? Here's why. Real simple. What's God's standard? Perfection. Perfection. So even if I'm better than all the neighbors, I'm more charitable, I'm more giving of my time, my resources, more than anybody else, I'm not perfect. I still said it. See the problem? God stands over here and says, I'm holy. I'm not bringing down my holiness. I'm going to maintain that I am a holy God and sin cannot be in my presence. That's our predicament. Enter Christ. The one who lived a holy life died rose again, paying for our sin. He lived again the life that we couldn't live, total perfection, died the death that we should have died, rose again, and God says, on account of what my son did, I'll be in relationship with you. Man, that's beautiful. Amen. Woo-hoo! Amen. That's beautiful. Hallelujah. Wait, wait. You mean, I don't, I don't have to keep serving this soup? Now, wait, hold on a minute. Now, wait a minute. Keep serving the soup, but not for salvation's sake. Amen. Okay? Don't, oh, well, 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 Christ did it all? Oh, I don't have to do anything. Then. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. For salvation. But we've been saved unto good works. We've been saved for a purpose. Not to say, I don't have to work for my salvation. Awesome. Hey, could you help me carry that? No, I'm not helping you carry that. I don't have to do works. No. <laughs> Treat people good. Treat people kindly. Show love. But no, that has nothing to do with your salvation. Amen. We got to keep it balanced. So I praise God for his grace. And guys, this is something that Satan will attack, even with believers. Even with believers. Because even if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, when you stumble and when you fail, here comes Satan. Look at you. Thought you were a believer. And you'll start looking at your failures. Your moral failures, your lack of doing things in Scripture that are pleasing to God, and Satan comes to do what? Condemn, accuse, right? And Satan, you're not really a Christian. And we fall into a works mentality real quick. You know what? I gotta go to. I, I, I gotta get back in church. If I know if I start going to church again, God will move closer to me. Uh, wait, stop. Be careful. You're moving into a works mindset. There's no work that you can do even after a believer where you earn more of God's love. You have all of it. Amen. All of it. All of the time. Amen. As Pastor Emmanuel was saying, 
He is ever thinking about us. He is ever interceding to the Father for us. Amen. Even right now, do you realize that? Amen. I, I would just love to be able to, I wonder what Jesus is praying for, for me. You ever think about that? Amen. I'm the only one that thinks about that? Okay. <laughs> I mean, what's Jesus praying? He's interceding for us right now. That's right. Wow. So when I fail, when I don't walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, Satan will come along and the first thing he wants you to get you to doubt is your standing with Christ. Your standing with Christ has nothing to do with your performance. Nothing. Your standing with Christ has to do with Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, when we do sin, what does 1 John say? Confess your sins. Confess them. Move on. Get accountability in your life. Put it aside. Beat this flesh under subjection, right? Paul says, I got to do that daily. It's a struggle. But even in my struggle, my salvation doesn't waver because it's in Christ. Amen. I praise God for the grace. So getting baptized without true repentance and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins results in an empty ritual. Baptism is going to display what it is that Christ has already done. Let's jump to Acts 2.38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we said in the early church, you'll see repentance and being baptized. It was a counterpart. They happened simultaneously. We're going to skip Acts. Uh, we covered that already. Just for the sake of time, let's let's keep moving to uh, Sarah. We can get to Romans 6, 1 to 4. Because I want to look at how does baptism picture salvation? We, we, we see that Christ got baptized. He was going to be the total fulfillment of even, even what Christ did in the water. He ultimately was going to make that act rich with meaning. As he went to the cross, right? We see John the Baptist doing a baptism of repentance. But remember what he said about Jesus Christ. Oh, here he is. Behold the Lamb of God. He's going to be the one who offers what? Forgiveness of sins. Right? Look at Romans 6, 1 to 4. What shall we say then? This is Paul as he's speaking to believers. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Now let me just pause there before he gets into this. this he gives an analogy of baptism, right? What is Paul saying here? If we have truly received God's grace, and we are living by grace, and we realize it's not our righteousness, are we to continue in sin? Are we to say, oh, so it's not about the law? No, he just finished laying that out in chapters 1 to 5. It's not about me keeping the law, no. It's about all that Jesus did, absolutely. Okay, so hold on. I get 100% forgiveness for everything I will ever do because of the work of Christ on the cross, absolutely. Oh, great. I received it. And I'm going to go out and just live 
and sin and sin and sin. Why? Because it's covered. You know, there are some people who think that way. And I'm going to say something very controversial here. I think if you can live that way, I doubt that you know the Lord. Amen. I doubt that you know the Lord. Paul's whole argument, are we saying because we understand righteousness is through faith in Christ alone, that the person who truly believes that, and God opens up their heart to that, and they trust in Jesus, can now say, whoo, so glad Jesus died for everything. Yo, man, let's go do our stuff. What? And then when you're confronted, hey, what are you doing living like that? Oh, no, 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 no. See, no, no, you don't understand. Jesus died for us. The person with that attitude, I do not believe knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think that's someone who went through the motions. I think that's someone who said a prayer. And that's why this is so important. John says what? When we've been born again, regenerated, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. And you know what John says in his gospel? We cannot keep on sinning. Wow. Now understand what John is saying. He's not saying that you're not going to sin. Because he also said what? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So we know we're going to sin. Romans chapter 7. Paul says, the very thing I know I should do, I do the opposite. Oh, wretched man, right? We know we're going to sin. John's point is this. A true believer, God, has given you the Holy Spirit, has regenerated your soul. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And you are literally changed on the inside. Which means what? And I can't have a cavalier attitude about sin. I can't. Why? The Holy Spirit's on the inside of me. I'm going to be miserable. I, I, I'm going to be like crawling out of my skin. Like this is not me anymore. That's called conviction. Amen. That's why a lot of times when I talk to people and they come in for counseling and they're involved in just some besetting sin in their life, which again, Christians can struggle with besetting sins, okay? So, so please hear what I'm saying. But when I talk to somebody, I say, let me ask you a question. Is there any conviction in your heart about what you're wrestling with? And they say no. Ooh, something's not right. Because Jesus Christ said the Holy Spirit will convict you of what is right and what is wrong. Amen. And when you feel like, no, I'm good. Or you can say, well, you know, don't judge me because Jesus died for me. No, no, no. Something's wrong. Shall we just keep sinning because Christ died? He says, no, no, no. God forbid. So now look at what he says in verse 3. As he begins to paint this spiritual picture of what happened through the death of Christ. Do you not know that all of us who have been, here it is, baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death. See the picture now? Water baptism. What is it signifying when we put somebody under the water? Death. What died? The old self. Why? Because I went under the water? No, 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 no. He, he, he's putting it alongside of what Jesus did and what our baptism Proclaims Jesus, notice, died, and when we go there, we die with him. Amen. Yes. You catch that? 
The old Ron dies. I love sharing this testimony with the teens. When I truly got saved, okay, it wasn't about rituals and religion anymore. And I truly understood salvation. And I'm trusting in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. Not the sacraments, not because I went to penance, not because I was an altar boy. Like my mom, praise God for my mom, she drilled the gospel in me. She was like, no, son, it's not that. It's not, it's what Jesus did. Alone. I remember that. She kept saying, alone, alone, only Jesus. I come to know Jesus Christ. I trust in him. He opened up my eyes. He, he saves me. I don't know what day of the week it was. Let's say it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday, whatever. Anybody want to know where I was Friday? I was clubbing. Will, y'all ready? Let's go. Because <laughs> Will was with me. <laughs> We in the car, right? Candy Apple Red, Ford Mustang, Rich used to have. We in the club at the FOP, having a good time. Everybody dance now. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like nobody, I had nobody discipling me. I had nobody coming out. I, I wasn't involved in a Bible believing church. So nobody said, hey, we, we want to pour into you. And listen, that's a heartbeat here, man. We, we want to pour into you guys and disciple you and like come alongside. I didn't have that. So I didn't know. But I can still distinctly remember it was business as usual. And one of those Friday nights on the dance floor, something just doesn't feel right anymore. I didn't know what it was. It's just like, I mean, the music is going, the DJ, he's doing his thing. He, he's on point. Our lighting's just right. The wings are at the table. And I'm like, it just doesn't feel right. I remember sitting down at the booth. You know, guys, hey, come on, man. Hey, yo, yo, this is your song. This is your song. No, I'm good. I'm good. The California wine book. I don't recall that. All of a sudden, it's like, no, I'm good. What's going on? Let me tell you what's going on. Now I know, looking back. Behold, the old man passed away. All things have become new. Amen. And see, guys, this is the thing about Christianity. That becoming new, that instantly happens on the inside. Amen. But the outside got to catch up. Amen. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, went from Friday night clubbing to Saturday. I mean, we love clubbing. I mean, the time I was in Opposite, Virginia, and these guys called me up. William, yeah, William, William calls me. <laughs> he said, yo, bro, what you doing? I'm in Virginia in college, Lord. In Virginia. And your big brother calls me. And my big brother calls me. He said, hey, I said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, he says, Rich and I, my other brother, Rich and I found out that the clubs in Wildwood stay open at 5 in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, boy, I'm in college. I can't. And he was like, no, no, we found out. If you take the Cape May Ferry, Drive up to Hampton Roads and get on them ferry and you can be there. And I was like, yo, I'm in. Click. <laughs> Drove my little gremlin on the ferry. Met these guys in Wildwood. We love clubbing. And then again, we, you know, we, we love music. And we just love to dance. We honestly did not go for girls. That is, that is the truth. We just love acting a fool and having fun. Right? But all of a sudden, Something is like, no, this isn't you. No, I don't want you around that environment. 
Nobody was in my ear. This was coming from within. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into what is right, what is wrong. I didn't have to have a list. It came from the inside. And the old man died. <laughs> I'm not who I used to be. I know who I was. I know who I was. I know what my thoughts were and what my goals in life were. It wasn't to love Jesus more. Something changed. Amen. This is what died when we come to know Christ. Notice what he says. We were buried with him into death. Watch this. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, watch the picture, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen. When Christ saved me, the old Ron died. And when I came up out of that being baptized with Christ, stay with the picture, I came up a new person. Not because of water baptism, but because of what Jesus did. Amen. Amen? Baptizing people symbolizes this spiritual reality. Amen. I'm not the same. Praise God. Amen? Amen. And again, and everybody's, you know, we call that sanctification. Everybody grows at different levels, right? Everybody grows at different levels. So it's not like... You know, I, I came to know Christ, and I told you, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever, Friday, I'm in the club. It's not like it was an instant day. But all of a sudden, man, God's knowing something here. And I remember, like, one by one, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going tonight, guys. I ain't going tonight. I said, no, nah, y'all go ahead. Come on, man. No, I'm good. And I just wave and rich out there by himself. <laughs> A few months later, yo, what you doing, Will? No, nah, I ain't going tonight. Guy <laughs> got old it, sorry. Right? It's beautiful because you know it's not you. Amen. You know it's not you. I didn't do this. Christ did this in me. Amen. Praise God. But notice what he says at the end, that we too might walk in newness of life. The idea here is you now have the ability to walk in newness of life. Why? Because you've been regenerated. Amen. And his Holy Spirit has been deposited in. Wow. Wow. Amen. Which is why Galatians says what? Don't walk according to the flesh, but keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You now have the power to do that through Christ. Amen. Through the Holy Spirit that's in you. This is what baptism is showing. So baptism as a sign of our spiritual union with Christ's death and resurrection. We are united with Christ through his death on the cross. We die in Christ to our own righteousness. There is no self I'm dead. There's nothing I can do. Amen. We die in Christ to our own fleshly desires. It's no longer about the worship of self. It's about him. It's about him. Amen. And guys, sometimes I do ask people when they're struggling with their salvation, sometimes they struggle with their salvation because of the struggles of the flesh. And you can't allow Satan to cause you to doubt that you know him because you're struggling in your flesh. We will struggle in our flesh. 
But at, sometimes you just got to stand back and you got to say, okay, let me just, what is it that truly, truly, amidst all this, let me step over here a minute, what do I truly desire? I ask people that in counseling all the time. I say, wait, just put that aside. What do you truly desire? Do you truly want to know Christ more? Do you want to love him? Do you want to live your life for him? Like, I, I know you got all this going on, but is that, at the end of the day, when you peel back the layers, is that the motivation of your heart? Do you long to walk in his ways? And when they say, I do, I do, I say, okay, let's just get back in the battle. <laughs> right? You know why? Because the Bible says, no man seeks after no man seeks after God. In other words, in your own strength, unregenerate heart, you don't seek after God. God puts that desire in you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So it becomes one of the evidences. Like, God, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to... Wow. That becomes one of the evidence, one of the fruits that, hey, I think this guy is legit. Right. I can have the same guy going through the same motions and just callous. Oh, whatever, you know. So this doesn't bother you? No, man, he, 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 come on, why are you judging? No, I'm not judging you, but, but this doesn't bother you? No, no, I mean, you know, hey, look, Christ died for this, man, you know? And it just seems to be like something's missing there. I know you don't want to get, oh, you can't judge people, you don't want to be judging people. That's a whole other message because um, that's not what Scripture teaches. Right. <laughs> I'm just give you the short of it. Then the Bible says, hey, both the judge. No, that's not what the Bible says. First, judge yourself. Take it out of your eyes so you can see clearly to do what? Remove it out of somebody else's eye, which infers you're going to be judging something. Right? The point is, Jesus Christ, when we die to our own self-righteousness, when we die to our fleshly desires, there is a divine act that happens. His Holy Spirit comes in, regenerates us. Baptism as a sign of our spiritual union with Christ's death and resurrection. We are united with Christ through his resurrection. We are cleansed of our sins. Praise God. We have been born again through the Spirit. So again, this water baptism pictures old sinful enemy of God going down in Christ. Through the work of Christ, coming back up, a new man. Amen. Woo! Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All based on what Jesus Christ did. Nothing you did. Nothing you did. Praise God. This is what baptism is. It's a sign. Look at Romans 6. For if we have been united with him in a death like his... We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen. I love that promise. See, not, not only am I regenerated through the Holy Spirit, not only am I made righteous through the death and resurrection of Christ, I'm living now a new life. I'm, like, I'm walking in newness of life. And it has implications for how I'm a husband, how I'm a father, how I'm an employee. It affects all of that. Amen? Amen. It should. But this newness of life is just not here. It's into eternity. It's into eternity. So, so you and I are also looking forward to what? 
Paul said, one day I'm dropping this flesh off, man. And God's going to give me a new body. Incorruptible. No more struggle with the flesh. We're going to be with him throughout all eternity. Do you Amen. believe that? Amen. Do you believe? You, you, like whenever your time comes, it's like this is this life. When your time comes, you just step over here. Hey, Jesus, how you doing? Good to see you. I knew you were black. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are you looking forward to seeing Jesus? To be with him? Amen. We have life now. What's the best thing the world got? What's the best thing trials have? What's the best? Nothing. Because even the best thing that the world thinks it has, which would be your death, is actually my ticket into eternity. Hallelujah. Yes. But like, okay. Sickness, death, whatever. My worst day in the eyes of man will be my best day. Amen. For me to live is Christ. And if I die, it's my gain. Wow. Man, that just frees you. Amen. Doesn't that? Amen. Trying, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And we're Joneses. We can tell you, you don't have to go far. So just stop. <laughs> stop trying to keep up with us, all right? But to know that I am complete in Christ, I will be with him. While I'm here, though, I want to proclaim him. I want to do my relationships. I want to do my business. I want to do everything in a manner that proclaims Jesus Christ. Amen. But I'm not looking for my best life now. I'm not looking for it in this world. Amen. Then will I see him one day. Amen. Amen. We know that our old self, there it is, was crucified with him. Why? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Please hear this, believer. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you see what Christ's death, burial, resurrection has freed us from? You do not have to be enslaved to sin. Christ has broken the chains that held you. As a matter of fact, he'll go on and say, why do you keep selling yourself back under bondage? <laughs> you're, you're walking in the cage and closing it. Like, what are you doing in there? Christ has freed you from that. Amen. For one has died, has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Amen? Amen. Not only has his death granted us forgiveness of sin, but newness of life, and he's broken the bondage of sin. I'm not, sin is not my master anymore. Jesus Christ is. Am I going to wrestle with sin? Romans 7, yes I am. But I don't have to be mastered by it. It's going to be a battle. But I can win the battle against sin because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what we, we got to realize as believers. Amen. When believers come in and say, I'm just struggling with this, I'm struggling with this, that's okay, let me ask you a question. And it's funny because everybody says the same thing when they come in. They go, oh, I know what you're going to say. I say, well, then why'd you come in? <laughs> if you know what I'm going to say, why'd you come in? What am I going to say? You're going to say, how's your time in the word? How's your time in prayer? Well, we better stop being like so cavalier about those two things. Because 
That is how you will crucify and keep the flesh under subjection. Amen. It's not about just doing your devotions. Oh, I did my devotion, put the little box, fill it in in the back of the Bible. I'm reading through the Bible in a year. Woohoo! 25 more boxes to go. No, that, that's. If I'm not in the Word of God, it is the Word of God that God uses to change me. Amen. Amen? Woe unto me if I don't stay in the Word of God. Not to preach a sermon for my life that I might walk in newness of life. Amen. Be ye what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind. So do the opposite. If I'm not being renewed in my mind, I will not be transformed. It, it, and that's why I bring that up in every counseling session. Because it, it, it's becoming trite or trivial to people. Christians I'm talking about. Guys, we have to seek his word. His word through in conjunction with the Holy Spirit is what changes us. Amen. So you cut that out of your life. As goes your time in the word. As goes your time in prayer. So goes your walk. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. It's kind of like the kids when I give a test. I always know test day when I walk into the high school classroom. You know how I know it's test day? Because all 35 kids, nobody's talking. Everybody's like, 25, 25, what's number one? And I just look at them. And it's just like, oh, sweet revenge. Especially those four over there that couldn't keep their mouths shut for the last five weeks. I know they failing because they don't even take notes. I'm just like this, yes! I probably shouldn't be rejoicing that much. And then the guy raises his hand. Pastor Ron, is there any way we can move the test? Nope. Oh, Pastor Ron, I got a history test, and Mr. D got me a math test today. Nope. Nope. Test is today. I said, but you know what? Let me pray for y'all. Can I pray for y'all before y'all take the test? Now everybody's like, they agree about the power of prayer. Now they all agree. And here's always my prayer. God, help these students to recall what they studied. Amen. <laughs> you will only walk and look like Christ in conjunction with how much time you spend with him. Amen. In the word and in prayer. Which is why Satan fights us to put everything else in our life but don't have any time for that. So as we conclude, guys, baptism is the initial sign and seal of our trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. Baptism has no saving power in and of itself. Baptism is a public testimony of our union with Christ and identification with God's people. Now, baptism is done through immersion, right? We, we go under the water. Why? It's keeping and correlating with the spiritual picture. We were buried with Christ. We died with Christ. So we're going down into the grave, if you will, right? Coming up out of it. Backsliding baptisms are not necessary. Sometimes people say, I just haven't been walking with the Lord. I want to get baptized again. No, no, no. If you're a true believer and you've been walking out of fellowship with God and now you really want to start obeying God and, and, and coming back to Him, right? Sheep can wander, right? And God can bring them back. There's no need to get rebaptized. The minute you get rebaptized, guess what you're doing? You're changing the whole point of baptism. Mm -hmm. 
you're now messing with the spiritual reality of what baptism represents. If you truly know the Lord. But again, this is where we got to be careful that we don't think like a ritual because it, it'll make me feel better, right? Why do people come in? Why do more people come to church on Easter? Like, where do all those people go after Easter? Well, it's Easter after all, you know. They feel good. They have this moral, therapeutic, I feel good. You know, I, I went to church on Easter. Praise the Lord. Don't even know the Lord. I mean, you, you might as well just stay home. Get a joke on the hand, right? Backsliding baptisms are not necessary. Because it is difficult to discern when a child's profession of faith is truly believable, it is generally wise to discern evident fruit of real faith before proceeding to baptism. Just some practical things here. And I think that's important. The last thing we want people to do is think that water baptism saves them. And I think there are so many. I know for a fact there are people in that. From the people that come in my office who want counseling, when I say, are you a believer? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then I simply say, how do you know? Oh, um, so I used to go to a, a, a Lutheran church, and I was back. What? 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 My, my mom, no, my dad married, and then my mom, okay. Probably like 973, 70. Yeah, I, I can get the baptismal certificate if you want. Wow. That's how I get the answers when I say, how do you know you're a true believer? Because they're putting their salvation in an act of water baptism. It doesn't save you. So again, baptisms display the glory of God in that they testify of his saving work through Jesus Christ. That's why you get baptized. That's why we call it believers baptism. Can you imagine the early church under the persecution, under all of the false philosophies and religions going around? True Christians dying at the hands of the government. In Nero's gardens, thrown in the Colosseums, torn apart. Hebrews talks about Christians that have been sawn in half. Wow. Can you imagine the joy of those early believers when one came to faith and they all gathered to watch them get baptized? A public proclamation. I am a Christ follower. You ever think about who else might have been in the crowd witnessing that down at the Jordan River? Do you think some unbelievers might have been witnessing that? you think some government officials might have been like, oh, okay, all right, yeah, we're going to take this back to Nero. Think about the boldness of these believers. I'm going to declare that I'm a follower of Christ. All that was at stake by that declaration. I think we take baptism too lightly in America. Amen. And there are Christians, and, and, and if you truly know the Lord and you have not been baptized, and I want to encourage you to be baptized. Declare, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. And I think sometimes because it doesn't have the, the weight or, or the consequences that the first century church had to deal with, you kind of take it or leave it. Nah, I don't think so. 
Jesus got baptized. And it declares his glory and all that he's done through his saving work. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection. It is only through Christ that we have life. It's only through Christ that we have forgiveness.